This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, welcome to the Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast. I am Metal Thrashing Mike, and today I have with me from the band Nivian, Mr. Isaiah. He is the drummer for the band. Uh, I actually just got to listen to them yesterday. They thankfully covered a fill-in for me, and I'm really appreciative of that. Isaiah, I'm glad to have you here, and I'd love to let you just uh, take a moment here to let everybody know about the band, where we can find you guys on social media, where we can hear your music, and where we can buy your merch and stuff. Awesome. Uh, Good afternoon, Michael. Well, good afternoon from the West Coast here. Uh, Isaiah Abdul-Rahman here from the Vian. Uh, we're based in Northern California. Most of us reside in Sacramento. Um, one or two members in the Bay Area. Um, we're basically your, I don't want to say stereotypical power metal, but we're just power metal. <laughs> I wouldn't say you're stereotypical. I actually, listening yesterday, I heard a lot of things. I'm trying to remember the song title. Um, but either way, I heard a lot of things that to me, I was like, well, this kind of reminds me of some of the the music when I was growing up. Uh, the riff-wise, it was like, what well, kind of reminds me of some Shadows Fall or God Forbids or some Trivium. And actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Just um, I'm actually relatively new to the band. I actually just started drumming with Navayan um, since the start of the pandemic. Um, so I just started kind of mixing in my influence and whatnot um, with the album we're currently tracking, which would be the third album. Uh, so you hear some differences, even from um, Fires in the Skies to the new stuff. You hear some little nuances drum-wise, um, as well as bass-wise, now that we have a new bassist and whatnot. But uh, we're, you know, we like to bring the heavy stuff. We like to have the melodic vocals. Um, we try to cover a good range of stuff, some dynamics. You know, we've got the very powerful and assertive vocals from Norm singing, uh, you know, different themes, some very personal, some following mythology. Um, some some of the lyrics actually are based from movie clips or particularly movies and scenes, believe it or not. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me about that. Absolutely. So one of the songs on the uh, the album that's currently out, uh, The Ruthless Divine, is called Like Lions. Uh, Norm, I have to speak more to it. He's better versed at it than me. Um, but a lot of people are like, yeah, that song, you know, you picture people in the halls of Valhalla like, yeah, we're going to fight. Um, and one of the ending lines is we will fight like lions. Yeah, And the song ends kind of like it sounds like you're in a tavern. You know, people are having beers, drinking, clanking their glasses along and singing. We will fight like lions. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, it's probably Asgardian or something like that. And Norm actually talked about this on our tour um, that we did last summer with Soulfly. And she said, no, that's actually more from a particular movie clip. Not so much the Norse Asgardian mythology. So there's all kinds of cool little things like that kind of woven into our fabric of Nevian. Cool. Hell yeah. Um, You know, um, we were, God, what were we talking about a minute ago? (laughs) Jumped in this son of a bitch quick today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
we were talking a minute ago about uh, your name before we kind of got started because I was asking you exactly how you pronounced it, and uh, it's Nivian, not Nivian or Nivian as in the Greek mythology. Or was it Greek mythology? Uh, it's some mythology. I'm no expert on it. We'll put oh. it that way. <laughs> okay. Well, I was actually going to ask you where it came from in mythology. <laughs> well, I what I can tell you is um, so we pronounce our name Nivian, but it's accurate when people say Nivian. I don't know so much if it's accurate. I've heard someone say Nivane. It's like, well, you know, there's some room for interpretation there, but we go with Nivian. We actually named one of the songs Nivian, and we're constantly singing it throughout. It's got a catchy chorus. So it's like, okay, hopefully that sticks and it explains the name. <laughs> oh, okay. When I pull it up, it just says uh, Lady of the Lake. I was going to say, yeah, so actually it's based on one of the characters that ultimately attempted to seduce Merlin and basically failed. Yep. Wanted to seduce and overthrow him, basically. So, yeah, referred to as Lady of the Lake. Yeah, so, so that's kind of what the name is modeled after. It's referring to, um, I got the damn book up here, The Once and Future King by T.H. White. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's Arthurian go. legend. Yes, it's Arthurian legend. So oh, yeah, there you, okay, there you go. Perfectly power metal, just like right there in line with Blind Guardian's imaginations from the other side. <laughs> yes, it's like um, funny enough. One of the friends in our scene referred to it as wizard metal. <laughs> nice, hell yeah! No, that's that's great. I, I mean, so what inspires you guys? Uh, what's kind of brought you to the brought you to the dance, so to speak, as far as some of the music and stuff that you listen to? when you uh, started doing this project or when, well, you came in late, but. Well, I know for um, the other guys, you know, they listen to a lot of, you know, some of the older metal, you know, the classics, you know, you got your maiden and, and so on and so forth. Um, me being a little bit younger, I have a different set of influences. So I came up more on, you know, new metal and things like that. And I kind of have a weird eclectic mix of stuff I listen to. You're a drummer. I expect no less. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I just kind of, as far as writing drums, I take it day by day. Um, when we were writing some of the newer material, I would just kind of sit down, listen to the lyrics and then just kind of take note what type of emotion, what type of vibe or soundscape am I getting out of what the other musicians in the band are portraying. And then I'll try to add to that or contrast with it. So for example, there might be a song that might be close to a ballad. There's not one on this album, but let's just, you know, for shits and giggles. If it's kind of feeling ballady, but that particular day I'm going, you know, this song kind of feels like a ballad, but I'm really moved to just kind of put a little more angst in it. Let's put some red in this uh, blue palette, you know, stuff like right. that. You want things to be colorful. Yes, exactly. You know, there's your meat and your potatoes, but it's like, let's put some Italian seasoning or Creole seasoning, oregano. Let's, you know, spice it up a little bit. Let's bring some more to it. It can be subtle. It doesn't have to be uh, exuberant. Just I try not to be bland unless I feel the drum part calls for it. There's certain songs where I feel like, hey, I can do a basic uh, ACDC beat and I'm fine with it. No, absolutely. You serve the song. So I, I listen for what are the lyrics trying to communicate? What are the musicians um, outside the lyricists trying to communicate? 
And then I leave room for what am I trying to put in to be interpreted by others to see if it creates a new dynamic within the song. Because, you know, the guitar players will have a riff. They'll program some demo drums with BA. I listen to it. I'm going, I feel this way today. And I, I'm hearing this. I'll play a completely different drum beat. And it'll actually throw them off for a little bit. Um, the first time we play a live in the room, they go, oh, whoa, that's not what I programmed. But it works. And we just kind of go from there. Uh, you have to be very open and creative in a band, especially if yeah. you're going to have any kind of success. I mean, you guys just toured with Soulfly. Okay. Oh, yeah. So last uh, August into September, we did uh, two and a half weeks on a road uh, with Soulfly. And it was actually their first tour since the onset of the pandemic and whatnot. So that was very, very interesting. Had an awesome time. That's an experience I'll never forget. Definitely. I mean, are you a are you a big fan of Cavalera's work over the years? Yes, and that was huge for me. Just going, whoa, I'm going to be on tour with Max. Not only that, they had just announced, I think, a week or two before the tour started, um, that Dino Casares from Fear Factory was going to be filling in on guitar, and I'm a huge Fear Factory fan. Yeah, so it was just like, whoa. <laughs> I could sense a little bit of that in your drum work, honestly. Yeah, because it's so I'm like, whoa, the guy who wrote all the riffs that I've been jamming to since I was in high school for Fear Factor, that's probably in my top five influences right there. So now you recently came to play drums for him. Are you actually on the Ruthless Divine? So for Ruthless Divine, I'm actually not on that album. Um, that was with their um, previous drummer, Noy Luna. He did an excellent job. Really cool guy. I'm friends with them. Uh, just with the pandemic and some things going on. Um, he just kind of had to step back. And so um, me being in Sacramento and in the same scene, um, their guitarist, Mark, reached out to me and said, hey, we got some shows and things lined up. We could really use you on drums to fill in. And I said, OK, sure, I did it. And they said, hey, you want to stay permanent? I kind of held out. I was like, yeah, but let's see. And I said, OK, yeah, I'll join full time. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of became an easy decision after a minute. Yeah, it was just, you know, the, with the start of the pandemics, I was doing a lot of other gigs and whatnot. So it was really just kind of a weird time to start a new original project because it's like, I don't know if what's going to happen with the other scheduled stuff. Is it coming back? Is it going away? Are the bands going to be dissolved? A lot of uncertainty, but I said, you know what? Risk it to get the biscuit. Let's do this. I really love the music. Hung out with the guys at a couple of jams. I said, ah, let's do it. Well, hell yeah. Um, yeah, I noticed you guys are on Pure Steel Records. Um, I, I'm, that sounds so familiar to me. I actually went ahead and followed it, but there's a lot of it that seems familiar to me. I don't know why. I believe they're based overseas in Germany, but they do a lot of... Uh, they represent a lot of the different metal groups, you know, up and coming and whatnot. That, there's something there. <laughs> But uh, what's your experience been like with the band on Steel, Pure Steel Records, though? So far, it's been great. Um, you know, it's just getting our shows back up. A lot of it for me, since I came in at the pandemic, you know, it's hard to get shows or they're just not what they used to be. So it's kind of like, OK, we're getting the machine kind of back up and rolling, um, getting some product like we had to order CDs uh, from overseas or whatnot. It's like, you know, pandemic and shipping. I, right. I don't I have to say anything further. Everyone understands that. <laughs> oh, uh, I know. Um, Dying Victim Productions. I follow them, and I'm, I order stuff from them. Uh, 
they recently said they had to go up on shipping because the shipping changed in Germany. So, like, if you order a single album, you're better off buying, like, five instead. Yeah, stuff like that. All kinds of different uh, rate changes, uh, shipping delays. Well, I think Brexit had something to do with over in Europe, too. Yeah, there's so it was just an interesting time, just kind of all of that was happening as I came in. So it's I wouldn't be able to comment too much on it. Um, but just from what I've done, having started and done the tour, you know, with the guys and whatnot, all things have been going well, all things considered in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been a learning experience for sure for everyone. Oh, yeah, definitely. Luckily, we have you know, other internet sources to get stuff out, you know, like we're on Spotify. Um, you can look us up YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, on Instagram, it's Navian metal official. Um, but yeah, it's like, man, imagine if we had this pandemic, no internet. Yeah. I actually just found you on Twitter and all that too. So, uh, I went and followed these guys. So you guys need to do the same. If you're listening, <laughs> if you like power metal, be sure and go check them out. Yeah. Yes, please do. Yeah, I'm not ending the podcast. I usually say at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we still have something to talk about here. <laughs> so, um, kind of getting into this as a as a drummer, you know, you're an experienced drummer, and I, I do like to ask, you know, certain guests and such that are, you know, part of a bigger following and have put out some professional work and such. Uh, what's some great advice you can give to young drummers or musicians who are coming into the the music industry? Ooh, that's a good one. Ah. Not that I'm biased. <laughs> oh, well, any musician is fine. You know, uh, I hate to throw you a curveball there. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. It's totally cool. Uh, for musicians that want to do this, you know, at any level, really, I would say... For the sake of mental clarity, sit down and think about how far you want to get into things. Are you doing it for a hobby? Are you doing it as, you know, semi-professional? Do you want to go all the way? Just don't set up false expectations for yourself. And then once you really are honest with yourself, you can say, okay, based on this, execute. Right. But by all means, there's all kinds of neat tools and stuff to help you, you know, on your path. Um, in general, for music, I would say don't be afraid to try new things or unconventional methods to get better and progress. Exactly. Like I know some musicians really don't like playing with a metronome. It's like you can do some really cool exercises and get just, you know. You can make a metronome be musical. It doesn't have to be robotic. I think that's kind of what a lot of people are afraid of. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, I sit here and play with a click track if I'm goofing off writing something because, you know, I write as a hobbyist. Oh, awesome. Okay, so you definitely know where I'm coming from with that. Absolutely. Like, you were talking about the drum programming, your guitarist programming drums, and I was like, oh, they do A, B stuff. And I was like, God, I wish I was back in those days because I program my stuff. <laughs> You know? oh. <laughs> so it's like I've got to figure out how to do something like what you're doing and go, well, how do I make that feel sound real? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, you know, and I think we had the discussion where if they program something, they know it's not for production. It's just to communicate a basic idea. And we'll talk about it. They might say, hey, I really like this type of drum beat. You don't have to do it, you know, verbatim. 
Yeah, no. And I'll just interpret that. And some of it's like, hey, I literally just kind of threw some random beat on there just to keep time. So it's not just beep, 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 you know, something a little more interesting to jam along to. Right. Instead of a click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a metronome's fine, but a click does get annoying after a while. Yeah, <laughs> I think you just have to find that right key on your uh, on whatever program you're using to where it doesn't bug the piss out of you. <laughs> yeah, and I think just us having that discussion within internally within the band is we know that okay, demo drums, and I refer to this as demoitis. It's like hey, we know some of the demo stuff as we're trading ideas back and forth, whether if it's online or in person. We know it's temporary we know it can change and it can evolve because we're artists i might hear a completely different beat that works just as well the guitarist might hear a different chord progression or a different rhythm compared to what the bassist did when he sent out a demo and you know so on and so forth the singer might shorten a chorus in half because of what he hears and feels lyrically and melodically right no that's yeah, not no, part no of the process. Band argument that's all part of the process. That's it's great that you're in, a, in an environment where you can all do that too. Yeah, and I, all that to say, be open-minded. Everyone's going to have ideas, and speaking from personal experience, it's better to be in a band that is open to and having multiple ideas, and a band having no ideas, or it's all just coming from one person. It's like no, yeah, if this one person doesn't like your idea. It's a no-go, and it's like okay, well. Unless you're at that level where the person's hiring you to be their backing musician, I prefer to everyone be involved in a creative process. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and you can't treat it like a Metallica. <laughs> right, exactly. It can't I wasn't going to say the name, but you know. <laughs> I don't care. I'll say it. I love them to death, but you know, you hear the stories about them, and it's like, it's Lars and James. It's Lars and James. And it's like, thank God Kirk finally put out a solo album. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a big Kirk Hammett fan just because that's what got me into music. Yeah, that's what got me into playing. I love Kirk. Yes, Kirk is bad. He's a nerd too, so you know, huge horror buff oh. and comic collector kind of guy. But since I am speaking to a power metal guy, uh, are there any kind of like nerdy hobbies like that for you or the bandmates? I mean, uh, anything like that at all? For me, most definitely, uh, I'm a diehard Marvel Comics fan. DC, I still love you guys too, but hey, you know, I started with Marvel. <laughs> Outside of Batman, I have a hard time with a lot of newer DC, and even with the newer Batman, it's kind of rough. Yeah, and it's, I think for me, um, just as of the last like five to six years, it's like DC was doing good with the animated stuff and portrayals and interpretations. Yeah. Live. You know, action adaptations, not so much for me. But definitely, uh, so I think my, I guess the hobby that no one would expect me to have, the guys are probably laughing or will be laughing once they hear this. I'm addicted to escape rooms. Oh, okay. No, no. Uh, we go up to uh, Gatlinburg up in Tennessee right above us. And they've started putting in all kinds of escape rooms and stuff now. I, we've thought about trying it, but I don't know about taking my three-year-old in one. <laughs> oh, uh, I wouldn't say take a three-year-old. Like, you know, it's definitely an awesome hangout time. Maybe if they're a little older, like I, some of them restricted to ages seven and older. Um, but it's really, really fun, especially if you get a group of people to, you know, hang out and kind of help out with the puzzles and whatnot. 
Well, I mean, you're a drummer too, so you know that's exercise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta have that energy, bro. <laughs> well, for me, it's it's cool because all the rooms I've done, they've had um, all kinds of references to different types of puzzles and. It's basically if you've ever played a Resident Evil video game. Yes. Like picture being in Resident Evil, except for you're not going to get the you are dead screen if you don't make it. Yeah, you're not going to have a liquor jump your ass. Yeah. (laughs) Or you're not going to have to worry about running out of ammo. Dude, that was always the one on two that got me. Like it scared the crap out of me the first time the liquor would pop up and for like the first few times. But I was like eight, nine years old. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It scared the crap out of me. I couldn't sleep for three days. I think on the the original uh, release for Resident Evil 2, um, the one that kind of haunted me. Well, not haunted, but just kind of I had to put the game down for a while was the water puzzle. When you're in the lab, you have to get the um, the tube levels at a certain wavelength or whatnot before the door would open. Yep. It's like, ah, but I was too young to understand the puzzle at the time. So (laughs) totally understand talking about video games, man. Like I noticed this funny thing. Like when I was a kid, like my jam was Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic one, Sonic two, Sonic three, Sonic and Knuckles. I could play through every one of those with ease. But man, once I got to this, the age I'm at now, I tried it recently and it's like, I can't get through those because I spent so much time playing like puzzle and RPG shooter type games. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like such a struggle now. Like, I can still pull off the Mega Man stuff, you know? Ooh, I haven't played Mega Man in probably been at least 10, if not 15 years. Man, I could just sit and listen to the music from Mega Man. That That's power metal right there. <laughs> Most definitely. I. So funny enough, I still have, um, I have two consoles, believe it or not, um, of the original Sega Genesis consoles. Nice. So I'm going to try to see if I can get that up and running. So I've got, you know, Sonic 2, Sonic 1. I even have the cartridge for, I think it was called Six Pack, where you had uh, like Sonic 1, Streets of of Rage 2, Ninja Shinobi, Golden Axe 3. Oh, yes. All those, excuse me, all those arcade classics. Like I'm a sucker for all of those. And even with the newer platforms, um, I don't really play modern warfare games like that. I'm more into, you know, RPG, uh, Resident Evils, Devil May Cry is like my favorite franchise of all time. See, I really liked hack and slashes when they had um, like Ultimate Alliance. Yes. Like the first two. Like I had every character on those games leveled up all the way. <laughs> like I was a huge hack and slash guy. Have you played the uh, most recent uh, Devil May Cry releases? I have not. I haven't played a Devil May Cry game in probably about 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say if you love hack and slash, definitely do three, four, five. Three, four, five. Okay. I'll give them a shot one day. Maybe. Eventually. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's very, uh, if you're into anime and stuff like that, it's kind of got the anime culture over the top, you know, everything's got to be super stylish and whatnot, but it is very fast paced. Oh, I'm a huge anime fan. I mean, not as much as the newer stuff as I am the older stuff when I was growing up, but you know, like I saw a berserk poster, they had the thing in the, in the display case, a berserk poster at a store I was at. And then I went looking Mm -hmm. through the tubes and I could not find that fucking poster anywhere. And I was just about to like start screaming and cursing in that store because I couldn't find this poster. (laughs) Because I loved Berserk. 
that yeah if you like berserk you'd probably like the devil may cry 3 setup okay yeah um, Especially because you're going with, uh, you know, back and forth between swords and guns. So you can do your range fighting. You can get up close and personal, back off and do it in all kinds of. Uh, it's like infinite combo. It's not just your standard. OK, jump, melee and shoot. There's all kinds of. Uh, you can pick your style, per se, where there's a dedicated button and it does different things depending on what your character style is. Like one of them is called Trickster, where your emphasis is on. Um, dodging, so you might dodge and dash towards the enemy and bounce off their head, and now you're suspended in the air. You can run up walls. One of them, Swordsmaster, your uh, more melee attacks are available. Gunslinger, your guns get additional abilities where you're shooting bullets and ricocheting off the walls. And yeah, it's, it's all kinds of fun. I'm glad I brought you on here to talk about music, and instead we're talking about comics and games. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a little refreshing. <laughs> I love well, music. You can tell where my passion is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He's a drummer. He's he, his drumming is a side gig. He's actually on Twitch all the time playing Devil May Cry. Oh yeah, Devil May Cry. Um, I don't know if you're a mobile gamer, but I also play Marvel Strike Force. I actually don't play that. Uh, I think I'm playing Punball right now. It's kind of like a ball breaker game, stuff like that. Oh okay. But it's got like upgrades and stuff, and you've got like this little sorceress chick. It, it's it's fucking lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, Strike Force it. Careful with Strike Force if you venture it because it uh, it is a scope play game. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all, but <laughs> no. So it's the same company. Um, it wasn't originally developed by Scope Play, but Scope Play took it over from the original project, uh, Fox Next Studios. Yeah, it's very similar to the um, Star Wars mobile game that's out. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, Strike Force is more of a turn-based uh, five-on-five team setting with different Marvel. A character so there's uh a lot of tactic involved in it probably a little more like a final fantasy yeah exactly more okay. of a final fantasy it's like you know you got your team synergies everyone's got origin traits everyone's got their regional trait you know are they city global cosmic yeah you, you have to check that one out like if you've got time to kill check that one out it's an ever going quest to level up and you get your um your alliance, your guild, basically, and you can war against other guilds like three times a week. There's uh, team raids and all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, let me go back to the comics for a second real quick, because the last guy I had on here I got to talk about comics with was Sean Peck. Um, let me kind of ask you, you know, you're a big Marvel guy. So uh, can you kind of quantify, like, what, what's your three favorite Marvel characters? Oh, man, just three? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've actually I've done a lot of sitting and thinking, and I got mine down to three, and it was uh, Ghost Rider, Punisher, and Daredevil. Daredevil so much that I actually went out and bought every issue of the Frank Miller run, including like the first time Frank Miller drew him in Spider Man twenty eight. Oh, okay, and all that shit. <laughs> like, and if I had to narrow that down to just three. I would probably go in no particular order. Black Panther would be one of them. Uh-huh. And that's based on, uh, you know, some of the older comics and how he starts crossing with the X-Men. Eventually, you know, he uh, marries Storm and whatnot, abandons the throne. Um, and one of the issues, eventually, he gets the Infinity Gauntlet and kills Doom. Oh, yeah. No, I've actually, I know what you're talking about. So it's like, 
you know, some interesting art changes there. Yeah, um, I believe so that he, was Secret Wars. Yeah, you're right. I think those are Secret Wars, either the second or third one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Secret Wars 2018, I believe, or 2015, something like that. Yeah. It, it's hard to keep track, to keep rehashing stuff. Yeah, it's like, okay, that one's probably going to get retconned. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for Civil War Five. <laughs> so I would say Black Panther, he's in the he's in the running for top three. Gambit would be the next one for me. Yep. Diehard X-Men fan. Gambit's a really interesting character, too. Like, if, you, if you've ever took the time to see what Chris Claremont originally had planned for him before Claremont got ran off from Marvel Comics by Bob Harris when he took over, it's uh, pretty crazy the stuff he was planning with Gambit, you know? I actually hadn't seen too much of that, not in great detail yet. Yeah, definitely look into that because Claremont had a lot of plans for Gambit and Wolverine, like some really interesting stuff. I'll have to look into that. I don't want to go too much into detail and spoil anything for you. <laughs> he, he, I, I think he did a few comics based on that, and Claremont's currently writing a Gambit comic again that kind of takes place in some of that. Okay, okay. I'll, so, I'll look that up because I actually haven't looked for any of that stuff in a while. I kind of I've settled and accepted, okay, Gambit's not really as mainstream these days as he used to be. Well, he's not in the cartoon and stuff anymore, you know? Yeah. It's, he's kind of gone by the wayside, I feel, when it comes to the mainstream stuff. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll, we'll get him, you know, back in. Well, I mean, like I said, Claremont had some big plans for him till Bob Harris took over. And, like, like Bob Harris basically told Claremont, he was like, so this is what we're going to do. And it's either my way or the highway. And Claremont was basically like, cool, fuck you, highway. <laughs> <laughs> and just took off. <laughs> like, man, I've been writing this for 15 years. So, you know, either let me do my thing or piss off. Completely understandable. Well, it was funny because Bob Harris went to D.C. later, and I believe he was the guy that ran off Denny O'Neill from the Batman stories. Oh. Yeah. Okay, now I never got to look into that knowing that information. Oh, I love Denny O'Neill. It's sad he passed away just, uh, what was it, last year, and then Neil Adams passed away this year. Yeah, I was going to say, just within the last, like, two months or so, right? Yeah, George Her uh, George Perez, too. It's been a sad, it's been a sad couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, all the comic, you know, writers and illustrators, I'm like, Todd McFarlane, put him in the bunker somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Mc I, I think McFarlane's safe. He hadn't wrote a lot of new comics or anything recently. Well, I'm still holding out if he can reboot Spawn or even continue the animated series he started back in the 90s. Oh, God, yes. I actually but just I, watched a, a whole series on YouTube where a dude uh, like goes through and tells the whole story of uh, Spawn Armageddon. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes. Yeah, like, um, God, what was that guy's name? Either way, he goes through the whole series of that and like just kind of guide you through the series and reads a little bit of it and tells you what's happening. It was pretty cool. Like spawn with the angel wings was probably the goofiest thing ever, but it's <laughs> <laughs> funny. You mentioned that in my room. I have uh, my brother was um, at one of the conventions when it came to Sacramento. Um, they got me some, some signed stuff of spawn. And there's actually one of them where it has, um, it looks like they kind of, Code drew this uh, this comic sheet where it's uh, Batman and Spawn with Frank Miller and Todd McFarlane. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm a big so, Frank uh, Miller fan. <laughs> yeah, 
killer illustrations. And it's like, yes, I definitely like a classic style of drawing and it's autographs. I'm like, yes, that's going up on the wall. <laughs> Believe it or not, I haven't forgot the two things you said before. You actually said Black Panther and Gambit. And Gambit, yes. And so third for, sorry, thanks for bringing me back home on that. <laughs> it's okay, I went off topic too, bro. Oh, hey, fair warning. I did say I love comics and escape rooms, and it was just like the, the void entered or opened, and I entered. <laughs> I, I opened the door. My fault. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. That's what we're here for, man. We're having fun. We're having a so casual if conversation. A, if I had to pick a third, I'll probably just go with Spider-Man as a third based on how I'm feeling right now. Right. Oh, no, well, the last Spider-Man movie was just phenomenal. Yeah, so it's like, okay, give me more. Give me more. <laughs> I haven't had a I haven't had a good time reading the Spider-Man comics in a long time though. Like honestly, kind of since Civil War, like once they were like, We're gonna retcon his marriage with Mary Jane and have him sell his salt or do something with shit with Mephisto to keep Aunt May alive. And it's like, can we just let this poor old woman die already? I mean, she suffered <laughs> enough. She's already died like twice, bro. Just l- let her rest in peace. Yeah, that was an interesting one. So it's like, wait a minute, come on, Spidey. Like he just he can never have his day. It seems like. I think that's the whole like point of being Spider Man. There is True, no. But it's like it's like come on, like you know, at least give him the cheese. You don't have to give him the whole sandwich. Just let him have the cheese. Right. Have you read a uh, Spider Man Life Story? I think I started that one a while back, but I haven't finished it. God, that one's so good. It's written by Chip Zdarsky. He's the guy that's been doing Daredevil. And his run on Daredevil was just phenomenal. But his Spider-Man story for life story is just, it, it's beautiful. It, it's one of the best Spider-Man stories I've ever read. I know my, the, the local comic shop owner at the fantasy factory, he was like, I haven't read a Spider-Man story like this in years. This is replacing Craven's last hunt for me. That was my favorite. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's high up there. Craven's last hunt's a big deal. Well, hey, man, I'm going to cut this thing off. Uh, we're already actually past the 30-minute runtime, which is cool. I've enjoyed it. I'm enjoying it a lot, actually. Um, oh, likewise. I was like, it felt like 10 minutes for me. <laughs> right? I wasn't looking at the clock. <laughs> you know, I looked up, and I was like, shit. <laughs> um, so I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming here. I want to give you the last minute to kind of let everybody know uh, where we can find and listen to Navayan. So uh, just go ahead and let everybody know uh, your social media's uh, current album that's out and all that. Yeah, certainly. So again, we're Nivian or Nivian, definitely not Nivain. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can find us on all major social media platforms, uh, primarily Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you're on Instagram, Nivian Metal Official, Facebook Nivian. Um, it'll be the same on YouTube and Spotify. And also, um, within the members, we tend to post a lot of behind the um, behind the scenes stuff, or like as we're writing, someone's you know editing. So you can follow all the members too. Um, we all have our different pages. Some of us will do a, a live take of us. Hey, we're jamming in practice. So you might see a drum cam video. Um, there's a couple of drum cams from the Soulfly tour. On um, the guitars, will post all kinds of stuff. So just kind of find us within the band pages, and you'll see a lot of other content or whatnot, just to kind of give you a more immersive experience as to how Nevine operates and who we are. That's really cool that you guys offer that stuff. Yeah. Y'all go, y'all go check out Niviani. Ah, you're fired. <laughs> ah, you see, I found one. I found one. <laughs> the one pronunciation. 
Hey guys, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, definitely go check out Navayan. Uh, like he said, they're, they're everywhere. I've already followed them on everything. Following suit. Um, be sure and follow me on Twitter at Mike Thrashing. I'm on Instagram as Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast, and I'm on Facebook as Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast. So be sure and follow on that. After you listen to the podcast, if you got a minute, rate it, review it. Let me know what I can do better. Let me know if you liked it. If I'm doing everything the way you want, hey, cool. But uh, just if you can take the time to do that, that helps me and the audience out a lot, uh, to, to better serve my audience. And it helps me to better serve my bands. And I am so glad that Isaiah could come along today and have such a fun conversation. So thanks for listening and peace, guys. Thanks for having us, Mike. Everyone out there, stay cool. Keep it metal. Hell yeah. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's The Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike. The Timo Toki Podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki. The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry. Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam. And the Music is Live Podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're taking over.